We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, Episode 110, Unmissable Opinions, brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. I'm Dan Hilton, as always, joined by my guest, co-host for the day, Christian from Garden State Blagrana, the Pena located in New Jersey here in the United States. How's it going today, Christian? Doing quite well on yourself? Well, I, I'd say I'm okay, but with Lagran Pagunta today, it's something that has surely weighed. Now, this we're recording this the day after that match against Sevilla, which, while it was a win, the big story coming out of it, obviously, is Messi has a fracture in his right arm. He'll be out for three to four weeks. Somewhere in that window could also be less. Again, we'll see. Messi has this inhuman ability to just, his desire to want to get back on the field seems to heal his body on its own. But Lagran Pagunta today, we're going to jump right into it. What will Barcelona do in Messi's absence? And again, we're going to go off the presumption here that it is going to be somewhere around the average of three weeks, meaning the six games that he could miss or miss at least marginal parts of would be Inter Milan at home. This is obviously coming midweek. Real Madrid, the El Clasico on the weekend. Cultura Leonesa, which is in the Copa del Rey, which we don't expect him to play in anyway. Rio Vallecano, Inter Milan away. And then Real Batis. So those six games... Real Batiste being a big challenge to wrap it all up. And he, that's, again, the game that you'd expect him to potentially even be back on the bench for and try to be regaining his fitness. But as we know with Messi, Messi at 30% fitness or trying to regain his form is still 110% of 99% of players in the world. So, again, trying to break down what Barcelona will do in Messi's absence, it, it's not just a matter of personnel and a like-for-like replacement, it's going to potentially change the way they play, potentially even the formation in a 4-4-2. So I would ask in terms of, uh, Christian, we'll, we'll start with the matches in particular, that Valverde is going to try to navigate the, this tough run here. So at what point do you find that Barcelona are, are going to have to win certain matches? And in which matches do you find that just a simple draw will get the job done? Well, I'd like to start off by just saying I've had very mixed reviews so far from what the situation is. Some people are saying it's going to be less. Some people are going to say it might be more. Uh, Marka had a doctor actually uh, explain the fracture and how it actually occurred. And his opinion, professional opinion, was that it probably is going to be likely five weeks. Um, Now, that said, I think 
right now there's an opportunity for a lot of the lads on the bench to show what they've got. In particular, I would like to point out that Malcolm, who hasn't had any opportunities thus far this season, could have some time. Um, if Valverde decides to stick with the 4-3-3, um, we could obviously continue to have Suarez down the middle, Debele on one wing, Malcolm on the other, potentially maybe bring up Coutinho up to a left-winger role and bring in, say, an Arthur in the midfield, you know, give Vidal maybe some time. So I think, you know, it's an opportunity for the team to really show what they've got this season um, to prove that we're not, you know, solely dependent on Messi. Um, and it's an opportunity, I think, also for Messi to just recover some fitness and come back stronger. So um, I don't think it's time for us to hit this panic button yet. Uh, I think the team might be um, in, in, a, in a run where we uh, need some motivation. And this is an opportunity, I think, for some of the guys to show that, you know, in times of crisis, we're going to come together. We're going to show the strength that we've got as a, you know, a sole unit. Um, and obviously, it's an opportunity for Valverde to show that he's got a plan B. I think that's how I feel at this current moment in time. Because I think, uh, you know, they've been very critical of him um, so far this season. And so, you know, now that he doesn't have his best player on the field, it's an opportunity for him to show, you know, that he's also got the strategic mind um, to win without Messi. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point, though. My gut tells me that he's going to continue going with what works and what he knows what works in his system. So to me, the first player I thought of, oddly enough, in this situation was Munir Haddadi that did come on as a substitute. But now I can't foresee Luis Suarez getting a single game of rotation off with Messi out. And the the same, I think, can be said for even Rakitic, Sergio Busquets, and even Gerard Piquet and uh, and Klingley. And with... Valverde, his thing is always to go with the guys that he trusts more than anything. So while we talk about trying to replace at least the minutes that Messi's playing, when Dembele, it has to be Osmani Dembele, is going to be the starter. He's going to, to slot in. He started the games at the beginning of the season where he, he was knocking in goals, seemed to be in good form. Since then, I think it's no surprise that since he's been coming off the bench, after the game with Tottenham, when Arthur got the start, continue out on the wing, that seemed to be clicking, and that not necessarily turned into the Gala 11, but that was something that Valverde now has started in all the matches since then. And for Dembele, coming off that international break, it must be said as well, didn't have his best game against Sevilla, but consistent time and minutes seems to always suit him better than when he's just coming in as a stopgap off the bench. He seems to get his best out of it. And while that means that Barcelona are going to be taking chances, they're going to be leaving themselves a little more exposed as they are when Dembele plays. In the same way that you might say that Dembele doesn't help back and track defensively the ways that he should as a young player. Coutinho really doesn't do too much of that either. And it must be said, Suarez and Messi also not known for bringing the pressure, particularly in the form of Messi that he used to when he was when he was younger. And Suarez, again, we saw even yesterday that in that second half, Sevilla had the ability to counterattack on two misses that Suarez made because Suarez wasn't back in a proper position when that quick goal kick was taken. And then all of a sudden... Here comes Sevilla the other way. I think the bright side here is that Messi wasn't going to play against the against Cultural Leonesa anyway in the Copa del Rey, so you can knock that game, I think, completely off the ledger of what it would have been with him out anyway. And I think he, he was in a circumstance where he wouldn't possibly have started against Raya Vallecano. I mean, the way that they're playing the league right now, that would be a match that he potentially could have been brought off the bench anyway. So really, it, to me, it comes down to three to four games, and the where that one game is a variable is that Inter Milan in Italy, which I said on the show a few weeks ago, 
even not getting a result there isn't the biggest deal. And just a draw would do the same trick against Tottenham because they beat them at Wembley already. Now, obviously, Messi will be back for Tottenham on the other side of this. But to win the Champions League, and again, I've been adamant about this, that to win the Champions League, you need to beat everybody anyway. So it doesn't really matter if you finish first or second in your group as long as you wind up being one of the top two teams. So taking care of business against Tottenham at, at Wembley winds up being potentially the biggest result that they got in the group. And just as long as you get enough points to get it done, as I said, that's what's going to matter. But getting a win or getting points and then every match at the Camp no, including against Spurs, that's going to be enough. I'm not panicking the Champions League. It's still just October. But one of those two matches against Inter Milan winds up being huge. And I think if they can at least get the three points at home on Wednesday, that's going to put them in a big position. And then the other thing I would say ultimately about the El Clasico on the weekend, I think even experts who people in the know, journalists, are saying that this could be uh, with Lepertegui against Valverde, the match that leads to one of the two getting sacked. It winds up being a bigger narrative, and I, I think it is difficult not to, to get into it because I think even for myself, this coming week, we we all get up for all Clasicos. No Kool-Aid and no person that roots for Real Madrid is not excited and doesn't get up for all Clasico. And I think the hardest thing, though, to do is not allow that one match to create these gigantic narratives that define the season. Real Madrid, on their own, have not been scoring. Their offense has been... Uh, completely solvent. It has not been good. They've been playing poorly. So I think with a loss to Real Madrid, I, I think it would feel like Kool-Aid are being sent into this tailspin. But even with a loss, it doesn't mean that Barcelona have lost even a single one of the, the trophies that are possible this season. I mean, looking at the table, the result against Sevilla, and yes, it was 2-2 without Messi, but that result against Sevilla is a much bigger deal at this point than against Real Madrid. And so there, I think there's enough talent on the field to navigate those four to, to five additional games with the kids plus a few of the fringe guys playing in the Copa del Rey. And you mentioned some of that depth that even without Messi, there's, again, just enough talent on the field to get the results necessary. And so it's going to be about in this time without Messi, not allowing narrative to take over and not trying to assume that everything needs to be blown up. I, I think individual mistakes just need to be fixed here. You brought a good point up. Uh, I want to talk about the El Clasico. I think the narrative, as sad as it is, first one without the two giants, you know, Ronaldo and Messi, I think this is an opportunity now for other guys to kind of step up and make it even a better game. It's been since 2009 since the two of them were not involved in this, so close to 10 years, absolutely. Yeah, and, you know, as, you know most fans are upset about it. I think I'm actually excited. Uh, I think it's going to make it another one without Iniesta, too. That's another point. It's the first one without Iniesta. So, yep. you know, it, it's a completely different Classico vibe to me now. But, yeah, you know, I, I think it's not the game that's going to make or, or ruin our season. I think uh, it'll be unfortunate if we don't get the result uh to your point i think the inter game this week is the most important one because to you know get those three points would put us like you said in the best position possible for us to qualify to the next round and so i would like to think maybe even the return game over in italy is not as important and really it's it's just to kind of keep the form in league so that way we can remain at top of the table um you know so the game of against rio could be more important than some of these other games so I think uh, I wouldn't be so worried about not having Messi for those couple of games. Um, I think I prefer to have him stronger and later in the season, especially with the winter break, giving him even more rest. It'll give us a Messi, 
a version of Messi that's going to be more consistent, hopefully in the second part of the season, in the sense that he'll be scoring and assisting on a more regular basis than he has, if he hasn't already been doing it, you know? Yeah, and I think the point comes down to it, as I, as I kind of started this whole thing with, was that the other worry, when you talk about form, and you mentioned that you want Messi to be fresh, my worry then becomes that if Luis Suarez is playing all 90 minutes in all the games that Messi is not there, and again, same thing for Rakitic and Busquets, where, as, as I've said many, many times, Rakitic had a good game against Sevilla. He seemed to be up against his former team. He scored that screamer. And again, defensively, I thought he was fantastic. He was where he needed to be. Now, offensively, with Arthur there, they do a, a few different things. And when Coutinho is cutting inside and is using the middle the way he is, it doesn't really put the onus so much on Arthur Busquets and Rakitic to try to ping balls forward and, and take chances with long balls. And I think they did that anyway. And, and Suarez was doing a pretty good job in the first half. And he seemed bright as well um, in, in both halves of that game. And he got his goal. He got his penalty, which we'll talk about in the Ronda in just a few moments. But again, the one thing that, that sticks out to me that worries me is that if legs from those from that, again, I don't want to say Gala 11 because now Messi's not in there. And I think that Valverde might switch things up just a tad. But I think rotations and big rotations be damned for the next few weeks. I think Valverde is going to continue just to rely on the ones that he trusts because he knows that results have to happen. And, and I think that's the other subplot to this, that if, if he really does feel like his job might be on the line, that's going to influence the, the 11s that he chooses. Because looking against Sevilla, 53 to 47% in favor of Barcelona. But when Messi went out of the game, it was 42% or less for Barcelona in then we'll say the last 78 plus minutes of that contest and as I mentioned the parts that worry me are not the team as a whole I, I think they're they're really rounding into form the chemistry the integration of some of the new players again particularly Arthur we were now throwing him into the fire quicker than expected and I again I, I there's a confidence and a dependability that he has and we'll talk about him and LaRonda in a second too what worries me defensively at least because for me, and I think for everybody, the man of the match yesterday was Ter Stegen. Marc-Andre Ter Stegen is cemented himself as one of the top two goalkeepers in the world. The, the, those combo, that combo of double saves, so those four total saves in that game, otherworldly, I, I think, from Ter Stegen, where Oblak still would be number one, I, I think, on most of the ledgers. And then right underneath him, Ter Stegen, with the form that he is currently in, it's hard to argue that anybody is better between the pipes at the moment. But in front of him, I thought the defense was solid as a unit. They were using that line to, to, to great effect. PK had one of his better games in a few months. And I, I think if PK, if that's the normal level he's at, then the Barcelona defense is in a good, in a good shape. But where PK was making individual errors for the weeks prior, Langley is now the one who makes a few mistakes. And not just the own goal, but he had a few mistakes over just a few seconds. And that's all it took where... PK was better, but Langley just wasn't to the level that is necessary to record a shutout. And Barcelona weren't able to do that. It winds up being 4-2 when, again, it could have been 4-0. And Sevilla did have their chances, but again, Barcelona had theirs. The problems then as well come, I find this season, and I'll see where you land on this, that individual mistakes by individual players have been, that's why things seem so toxic uh, when, when you ask fans in general, when discussing certain players and not others. It's those individual mistakes this season that it's not necessarily that, again, when you look back to the, what, the two low points of last year, and again, Roma always comes up, but the feelings that people got in that loss is that the team as a unit didn't have it. They didn't bring their best. And this season, it seems when the, 
it's not that a team doesn't bring their best. Certain players seem to shine in every single match, but it's when individual players, and for me, Dembele yesterday, and people say it, they were critical of him. He gave the ball away too much, and he's had good performances. So we have to recognize when he has those good days, but yesterday, it just didn't have, it wasn't his day, it wasn't Langley's day, but enough players had good enough days that they got the result against Sevilla. And I think Nelson Semedo, that's another one where he had a good performance. And I think it's no secret that he had consistent playing time for a few matches with Roberto out. And then you get the best out of Nelson Semedo. So the question then becomes is Roberto, and this is again another question for La Ronda, but now where does that put Sergio Roberto in this picture? So to me, if individual players are able to refine their game and to all come together, I think the team as a whole is moving certainly as a unit in the right direction. Uh, I have to agree with you on many aspects of what you just said. Uh, I think it has been that individual lack of effort that has come out into the limelight. In particular, like you said, Langlet yesterday, Dembele giving the ball away. These are things that I think are the small cracks that we can still fix, uh, to your point, if they continue to work hard and continue to try to integrate with themselves into the team and work within the structure of Valverde's system, um, then we'll be in the right path to you know our goals. But if those individual players continue to make critical mistakes in key games, how far can we continue to allow that to happen? You know, and if those players are making those issues, those small mistakes, why aren't they then being punished for it? Because in my opinion, there's other players that can be getting minutes and hopefully maybe doing other better, you know, better things for the team. You know, you particularly mentioned Dembele. If Dembele, someone made a comment to me a couple of weeks back and they said, you know, as much as I like Dembele, he gives the ball just as much as Neymar away. You know, so that part of the of the of the whole team chemistry is still there because, you know, Neymar used to give the ball away plenty of times on that left wing. And, but then back then we had Iniesta to cover for him. Now we don't even have Iniesta there. And so, you know, we can't continue to allow that to happen in that side of the field because I feel like with Messi out, we're going to have less uh, ball handling, I think, in the middle side of the field. And so I'm thinking the forward side of the field, it's going to be very interesting if Suarez, Dembele, and whoever else is on the other wing can actually hold the ball enough to, you know, finish in the final third. Well, I'd be interested when you're talking actually breaking the field up, we'll call it on the left side, the middle, and the right side. It was interesting to me that yesterday, 42% of the attack from Barcelona came down that right side. And, I mean, a big help was almost 100% of that was at the beginning of the game with Messi, where he was really using that right side to great effect. And that Coutinho cutting inside as much as he was, wasn't necessarily trying to get down to the touchline, get down to the goal line, and cross things over. Coutinho's going to fade in and create things over on the, in the middle of the field. And so I think now with the way Valverde's going to have to play with Messi out, we're going to see Coutinho, I think, every time at left wing. I, I think the, not that it was an experiment, but Coutinho's ability to play in midfield is important to rotation. But I think Coutinho's going to continue to be up on that left wing for now the foreseeable future until Messi returns. And on that right side, as we mentioned, it's going to put a huge onus. If this is going to continue to be the way that they play, Barcelona meaning, again, 42% of their attacks came down that right flank, and that's, again, post-Messi as well. So Dembele is going to know that he's going to be in the position, particularly out on the counterattack, to have all of these different moments 
to take advantage and to have better performances and to have better matches. And this is going to be the time where the spotlight really is truly on him uh, because, again, we'll transition to this to the Ronda, actually, uh, as we go, because this is the question we have next. From both Lane and Gwatham, they asked, and Gwatham asked, can we do it without Messi? And we're kind of answering that in La Grande Pregunta, but they both asked, what exactly is the problem with Malcolm? And will this give Malcolm some chances? And for me, he's going to make the bench. I think you will see him start to pop up there, but I, I would not expect him to, major, to to log major minutes in here. I just expect that Valverde might take only two of his subs instead of three and rotate his midfield a little more. I think it's Munir, certainly above Malcolm on the depth chart, and Dembele is just going to step in the starting lineup. So I don't expect to see too much of Malcolm. And whether the problem is that, as reportedly, that Valverde didn't want him to be transferred in, and they did it anyway, and now people are going to look to try to sell him off in January. I just think it could be a, a simple matter of, and this is something I've talked about not recently, but many months ago on the show, that it's well known in, in the, the soccer world that when you take young Brazilians in their early teens from Brazil, and when they're finally legally able to, they make the jump overseas, for which he did to France, moves to Bordeaux, and yes, that is a, a European country. He still took some time in Bordeaux to assimilate and get used to it. And he was much of a no-name for the first few weeks and months that he was in France. And so after those few months, when he was finally able to express himself and even communicate with his teammates, then that started kind of the ball rolling of, of what Malcolm then became in France, which is a very, very promising young winger that was then garnering attention from the rest of Europe. Now that he's moved to Barcelona, the, the two points here is that, one, there are a, a number of Brazilian players, including Arthur, including Rafinha, including Coutinho, on the roster. And you have to expect that after this amount of time, and Semedo also speaks, again, Portuguese well enough to communicate. And you'd expect that having spent that time in France, maybe he has picked up some French, for which Umtiti and Dembele and Lenglet could communicate with him. But even if it's just that communication, to find the, to, the ability to work with your teammates and as a young player to figure out how to play with Barcelona, that could take time. And I, I think we were a little spoiled by the fact that Arthur, another Brazilian, was able to come right from the Brazilian first division and pop right in, and he does seem self-assured. That's a question from Mike. We'll get to that in a second. But to stick on Malcolm, maybe you just need to continue to be patient. I, I think maybe these reports and all of this hoopla that – that Valverde doesn't trust the player and that he never wanted him in and it's just a, a big slap in the face to Roma and that's all this transfer was. I, I just I think it's too cynical to believe that the board would just be trying to take some kind of revenge and using a 21-year-old and, and 35 million euro to try to prove that point. I, I think that seems just too cynical for me. And for me, it's just believing that and assuming that it does take Brazilians in Europe time to adapt even if it's, just, even if they're, if it's their second stop. So maybe life in Barcelona, he just has to get used to that. And I think he still has a very promising future moving forward. I think that it's more believable to say that they couldn't get, Arthur, uh, what's his name, William. And as a plan B went for Malcolm, I think that's more of a believable story. Yeah. I also feel Valverde, maybe it's not that he doesn't trust them. Maybe he just never really envisioned him within his system and therefore doesn't really know how to play him. And to your point, maybe it is taking him uh, a while to adapt, you know, to life, to a lifestyle in, in, in Barcelona. But the other thing is being Brazilian, I think lifestyle in Barcelona would be more like home to him and say when he was in France. 
So it'd be a little bit difficult for me to understand how he wouldn't have already assimilated and, you know, make connections, like you said, to certain players. So um, it seems when they take pictures and stuff, he, he's having fun. He's, he's always smiling, you know, when he's in team practices. So, you know, I, I don't really know what it is, uh, but I would hope that, you know, to your point, at least he would see the bench at least now that Messi's injured. Um, and, you know, for him to have at least a couple of minutes maybe even in upcoming Copa games, uh, just to see what he has. And if not, to actually show, you know, potential buyers what they're, you know, going to be getting. So he has to at least get something um, in the next couple of weeks, uh, I think, because it'll be important for both us and anyone potentially that would want to purchase him in the January transfer window, um, what kind of player, you know, he still is. Because what we don't want is for him to be rusty and, and you know, potential suitors not want to, um, you know, give him a good price, you know what I mean? I had heard that there was a potential $50 million um, offer, which would be great. Um, you know, that would be about $25 million more than I think we paid for uh, for him originally. But, yeah, to your point, I think it is too cynical to think that it was just a big smack in the face to Roma. Um, and if that's the case, then, I mean, the board, then is there's an issue there, I think, if that was the real case. Yeah, well, I have been issues with the board in the past as well, and they've they've got their fair share of criticism going their way, but some of the criticism to Valverde that popped up this week, and we'll stick with that Copa del Rey game coming up against Col- uh, Cultural Leonesa, and we'll talk about that as well next week on next week's show, but Henry asks, what's going on with Carlos Alenia? He's already fit and back to be ready with the first team. I've seen him a bit with Barca B, and the reports have been coming out as well for those who've been physically seeing Alenia that he has been absolutely phenomenal and while yes it's in the third division in Spain he just doesn't seem to belong there in any way he seems far and away the best player in the in the league in the division Barcelona B have been in wonderful form now they got a late late equalizing draw and I would also urge you to go see the highlights on this Jorge Cuenca with a, a, a fantastic again last minute I believe it was a 95th minute header to equalize, and Iñaki Peña, who I've we featured in a La Masia profile a few weeks ago, a goalkeeper for the future, Span- a, an, a U19 Spanish international. He had an unbelievable save as well, very Ter Stegen-esque. I'm going to start to throw the propaganda in here that Peña and Cuenca saving the game for Barcelona B, and they were getting the result against Villa Real B, which was top of the group and had been playing in the best form so far in that division. So they're putting themselves back in a position to maybe find a way to the Segunda division. And Carlos Alenia's form for Barca B was a big part of that, whether playing on the wing, whether playing in the midfield. He had played at both, showing his versatility. And so Henry asked, Barca should be sending players on loan for playing time. In the case of Alenia, Again, the report is that that Copa del Rey match will wind up serving a, a lot as a an audition for him. And we've seen now Chumi on the bench and kind of encapsulating this whole idea of getting those players in, getting those young players in. The, the, the stat that kind of came to the attention was making the circles this week was that Guardiola debuted 22 academy players. Enrique was in double digits and Valverde is still just at two. And while he has only been in charge for a year, still just debuting two players, that was kind of going back to what I had said about the rotation, that PK and Langley, I wonder if they're ever going to not play the full 90 now because Valverde is going to try to sub different parts of the field and potentially in the attack, you might need to add new players if you're not happy with the ones that are out there at the moment. So that's going to force PK and Langley to never 
uh, be supplemented. I mean, last week, I we thought that it could have been Cuenca, who, uh, who unfortunately actually also suffered a, a facial injury. We don't know how long he'll be out. But Chumi is the right-footed center back that Valverde seems to trust as the backup if something happens to Lenglet or PK. But for me, with PK, I'd love to see it in the last 20 minutes of a match that you trust Chumi even with Messi out, that you would trust him to come in, and I don't know if that's going to happen. Now, I think Tumi gets a start against Cultural Leonessa, where you can only start, I'm not sure exactly the exact number, but you can only start a, no, a certain number of, of B players in, in a, a first-team match, which is what that is. Now, Elena will get the start. We expect Malcolm to get the start. And if Elena plays well in that match, maybe he, he, he pokes in. I'm not sure exactly what that's going to be. I don't see Denise Suarez and Sam Pair, who should also start in that match get much even if they play well I don't see where they're going to fit but for Elena again alone is an option in January I don't know how willing the player himself is going to be but so far he's played well enough to be breaking through I, I think that's the unfortunate thing here right the question that we're really asking is do you trust Valverde to do what Guardiola and Enrique did before him and debut B players it seems like so far the answer has been no and we'd love if the answer turned to yes I have to agree. I don't think he's going to follow in their footsteps. Uh, if you look at his time with Athletic Bubao, he pretty much stuck to you know his common eleven and never really veered off of that unless there was you know injuries. And so I think he's done the same thing in Barcelona. He's got those guys that he certainly trusts um, to play in week in week out. And I don't really see him giving certain you know certain guys minutes. You mentioned uh, Denny Suarez. I'm very fond of him. I think you know he's a he's a very uh, hardworking guy on the field. I think you know he sacrifices himself for the team um, when he has gotten minutes. And unfortunately, we haven't seen him since last season. You know, a couple of these guys had pretty good preseasons. You mentioned uh, Sergi Samper. I think uh, he's one for the future. Uh, they've been bringing up his name for a couple of years now. You know, and as a possible successor to Sergio Busquets. And unfortunately, we haven't seen enough of him in the first team to really, you know, make a good judgment about that. And, uh, you know, certainly I would like to think that in this upcoming Copa game, he'll give those guys minutes. But I, I don't see it. Uh, he, I think, is afraid of losing. Um, and I think he's very critical of himself. And so, you know, he usually goes with his gut instinct. And I think, you know, whatever his plan A is, his plan A. And, you know, that's what we've seen often when we've actually, you know, suffered in some games. You know, it doesn't seem like he's uh, often have a solution for whatever the opposition is doing on the field. And so, you know, you would like to think that he would start to incorporate, you know, these B-team players into the first team with the hopes that they could bring something different. Um, and we just haven't seen it. And, and you know, if we don't see it, you know, in this coming up opportunity in the, in the Copa game, then I don't think we're going to see it at all during the season. Um, unless, you know, terrible things start to happen to players and, and we start losing him for a couple of weeks or months, then that's maybe when he'll be forced to actually use some of these players. Yeah, and that's one of the things that was also floated on, on social media, some of the theories that even if P.K. Erlang Lay goes down, does he use Busquets as a center back and then supplements Vidal or, again, one of the many, many midfield options, Rafinha, who I think Rafinha is a player we haven't even mentioned yet, and you want to talk about Brazilians who will get an opportunity maybe with Messi's sideline that Rafinha has the ability to play the wing. He has the ability to play the midfield. So, again, God forbid something happens to one of the center backs and Valverde moves Busquets back. I wonder if he's on the depth chart higher than Chumi, who's a natural center back. And, again, I think that's one of the worries about what Valverde is doing, that he doesn't replace position. 
he replaces quality with quality in, on his depth chart. And speaking of depth charts, Douglas asks, now that he's healthy, will Sergio Roberto return to the Gala 11 or will Valverde stick with Semedo? And we did see that Valverde trusted Semedo for the full 90. And I could even see them now completely rotating back and forth. I think with, with Roberto still getting around 65% of the minutes, maybe 70%. And Semedo, I think, is going to take a little bit of a step back in terms of his starts. But this is one where I could easily see myself being completely wrong. I mean, usually more wrong than I normally am. But I, I think this is one where I could be completely out of my depth. I, I got to agree with you. Yeah, I, I don't know if uh, Sergio Roberto will return to the starting lineup. I would like to think that Semedo has done enough to have cemented himself as the starter at that right-back position. Um, but Valverde seems to have trusted Sergio Roberto from the beginning of the season as a starter. And, you know, he's one player that obviously could play in multiple positions. Um, so if he's not going to get uh, right-back opportunities, I would like to see him back in the midfield role. Hopefully, you know, whenever a Rakitic maybe needs some rest or um, even Sergio Busquets, you know, if he wants to send him down. Because he seems to have played good in that position um, late last season as a center, uh, center midfielder role. And so maybe he could get some opportunities there. Well, I also think back with, and maybe it's just, again, a little bit of nostalgia. I remember he got that red card last year in El Clasico, which was an unbelievable moment because Sergio Roberto, of all the of all the issues between the hot-blooded and, and the hotheads on both Real Madrid and Barcelona, Sergio Roberto is one of the very, very last players that you think is going to get a red card. And again, it was a red card on a, on a rash tackle, but again, nothing was, was malicious about it. It didn't have that extra bite that, and no pun intended, that that Luis Suarez always brings to those games. So for me, I, Roberto is a guy that I think is going to get to start in El Clasico. So I don't think we're going to use that as, as a barometer. Now, I could see... Sergi, though, having come in, again, he's been dealing with some injury. I could see him getting a start against Inter as well to prepare himself for El Clasico. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see him start the next two matches, and then you see Semedo, and then that's where kind of the rotation kind of picks up. So I, I think this is a question that's still going to remain lingering for a few more weeks as Roberto integrate, reintegrates. And again, I really do have the, the feeling that Roberto is going to be the guy that Valverde goes to. Again, he's a fourth captain. I think he's the one you go to with against El Clasico. Again, he's also the Catalonian. He's the Spaniard. You think that he would be the one to get up for that game. Rick asks, we've got two more questions for, about Luis Suarez. Finally, a goal from Suarez, Rick says. Very happy for him and hope that this will lead to more goals. With Messi out, do you think Messi's absence will drive Suarez to perform better and bag in more goals? And I, I think that his form is kind of working, not that it was working without Messi, but I think the way that Suarez is performing, he did perform. He performs best when he's working with his best friend. When they're they're his passing seems to be only good when he's giving it to Messi. You know, what other than that, he just doesn't have the chemistry with Dembele. And even with Coutinho, his touch is not perfect. Those those one twos just don't work unless with Messi, he knows exactly where he's going to be. So I think we're going to see his passing take a huge hit. But the important thing for him, right, is his goal scoring. And now with a little bit of the pressure of giving the ball back to Messi off him, Suarez is is going to be given whatever green is greener than green to take those shots, and he's going to get that green light to just go after it. And as he did in that second half, he really seemed to be bright. He knew that it was going to be on him, that, that, that they were going to rely on him. Some long shots occasionally from Coutinho to take opportunities. 
um, offensively for Barcelona to score. It's it's going to be coming on his back now. And we've seen in the past that he's he handles that pressure. And so I think that we're going to see a big, I'd say a big drop off in his ability to hold the ball, in his passing, and it's going to be ugly. But if goals are going in the back of the net, which I think Rick's right, I think it might be time that that's going to begin to happen without Messi in there. And I think for Barcelona's sake, it's going to have to happen. He's going to have to put them in, and I think he will. And, and I think that's going to be what you're going to see from Suarez in Messi's absence. Well, a couple of things. Uh, I certainly think, to your point, he's going to he's gonna miss Messi. That one-two combination that they've had um, for quite some time now is quite remarkable. And, you know, no one trusts them um, better than Messi does and, and vice versa. So he'll take a hit there. But let's not act like Suarez doesn't know how to carry a team. He pretty much carried Liverpool for all those years. So I think, you know... At a time when he's had a lot of criticism, because a lot of people have already said, hey, he's 32, he's getting older, he's getting slower. I think this is an opportunity for him to, one, take the team on his back, two, take the leadership role in Messi's absence and, you know, make sure that the guys are focused and, um, you know, playing well. But it's also a time for him to also prove all his critics that he still has enough in the tank to, you know, make us, you know, get over these next couple of weeks and let us continue at the top of the table and, you know, I think to your point, he, he's going to find ways to continue to score. Um, I'm hoping that his combination with Coutinho can improve um, both, you know, being South American. They have a similar style of play. Um, and, you know, he's got to get better with Dembele if Dembele is going to be the starter. Um, he's got to hopefully, you know, get, create chemistry. And the only way he's going to do that is by, you know, experience. And hopefully, you know, Dembele gets enough minutes with him that he can do that Um but yeah, I think I think Suarez is, is going to be key to um, these next couple of games for us. Uh, if he's not scoring, then we're going to be in trouble. Yeah, and we'll wrap this up with the final question from Mike Miller. Arthur has been a pleasant surprise in terms of quality and consistency, carries himself like a veteran, and his untapped potential is a gift that will keep on giving. Is he now an undisputed starter? I think the answer is yes to Mike's question. And something that the, the final thing I'll, I'll wrap the show up with, and, and then we'll finish with your point, Christian, is that... Arthur, to me, is a guy with a low floor. And what I mean by that is certain guys have... The best of Dembele is one of the most potent attackers in the world. But his floor, and when he's at his worst, is a worrisome thing that that Valverde has to consider just taking him out of the game completely. And I think Arthur's ceiling, we haven't seen it yet. It's not where it's going to be. Again, he's still assimilating, still his first year coming from the Brazilian League. But even the worst that Arthur has given you so far, even the worst that he is capable of, maybe we haven't seen it yet, but it seems like I would still be happy with his floor in in most matches. When he's even at his worst, he seems to retain the ball, keep possession, and when you get the best out of him is when he's able to help the attack, which we haven't seen too much. I think that's going to be, again, what's going to take time and consistency to work with his attackers and the chemistry moving forward. But just what he's been doing defensively, his positioning is is getting better as the time goes on. And again, his ability just to dictate a game, help control the pace of a game. I'm, I've am i been very, very happy with even when he's not really in the spotlight or you don't really know too much of, of what he has. And I think Coutinho, in a similar light, in I take Coutinho's floor almost every day. Even when he has had his worst matches for Barcelona this year, he still gives you something that other players, again, who, when, again, Semedo's having a poor game, it seems to be really poor. When PK's having a bad game, it seems to be really poor. But even Coutinho's worst this year has been has, has been a positive, I think, for the team. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. And 
I think what's made us our most successful or in recent seasons, the most successful teams we've had is by being able to control the ball. And he's one of those players that just, like you said, even in his worst moments, uh, he still has the ball control. He's still making wise decisions, you know, finding the open guy. Um, you know, it's very reminiscent of Xavi um, in the sense that he, you know, he'll circle around. He'll do that little roundabout thing and, and he'll find someone, even if he's going to throw it backwards, he'll still find the open guy as opposed to, um, you know, giving up the ball. And so my question is, if he is an undisputed starter, who does he bench? Well, until Messi comes back, I, I think, you know, you're not really, in, in essence, you're not benching anybody. I think Coutinho's a left wing, Dembele's the right wing, Suarez in the middle, Arthur, Rakitic, and Busquets, that's going to be the first team midfield, the first choice midfield, and then PK laying lay until Mtiti comes back, and then Semedo Roberto is the decision out in the right back position, and obviously Jordi Alba. Miranda doesn't even make the bench. Juan Miranda seems like he's not ready for the first team yet. That's what the reports are. He's playing well for Barca B, but he's just not there yet. So, and then obviously Ter Stegen in net. I think your starting 11 kind of screams itself out to you. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with you on that too, but um, Valverde always seems to surprise us, so we'll see. Yeah, well, uh, again, for Christian, thanks so much for helping out on today's show. I just want to give you the opportunity now. Again, we know that You've been working on a project of your own, and that is a Pena in New Jersey, and it's one of the younger Penas. It's one of the ones that is still growing, um, but I'd love to give you a platform now here to kind of give your pitch for those in the New Jersey area. Yeah, uh, so we we started this Pena a couple of months ago. Um, we felt that you know there was a niche in New Jersey that we had yet to untap. Um, most of my board members, we started off uh, affiliated with the New York City Pena, Myself, I was a, a member for about two to three years, and uh, you know I kept meeting a lot of New Jerseyans that basically had you know told me that they would love to participate participate more, but weren't able to constantly come into the city, um, and so therefore you know we felt that if we had something closer to them that we could you know hopefully create um, a small you know Pena, and so we started you know gathering. Uh, friends and family that were Pena, um, not Pena, but Barcelona fans, I should say, and they were the early Pena members that we've had, and we've now slowly, uh, through social media, through an aggressive social media strategy, we've uh, grown and we've continued to um, explore new parts of New Jersey, and you know we keep inviting people from all over Jersey to come and share with us at Mulligan's Hoboken every game, um, even Champions League, no matter what time, the early games we have them, and you know it's really just been about trying to uh, spread the message of what, what Barcelona stands for and, you know, tap into soccer fans that maybe aren't yet Barcelona fans, but, you know, are trying to find a team that they love. And, you know, that's what how I started. You know, I, I when I was younger, I, I wanted to find a team that I felt passionate about. And Barcelona, for some reason, came out to me. And so, you know, I've been a fan for many, many years, you know, and I want to be able to have, you know, plenty of more people you know feel as passionate as I do about Barcelona so that's kind of where our Peña started from you know all the guys that are with me um, are all very passionate about the team you know we've had the pleasure of actually going and seeing the games in camp now so I think that has helped us um, you know even feel further uh, you know acclimated with the team. Yeah, it sounds good. And uh, Christian you're not the first and you certainly won't be the last Peña on our show again thanks for so much for coming on. And for the information you want about Peñas, we're, work, we're in the works and working with some of the Peñas uh, to get some of that information cultivated and 
uh, kind of all put together. So again, be on the lookout for that and we'll find you a local Pena. For all those listening out there, thanks again for tuning in. Tap in your app and check out the show notes to subscribe. You can find us on social media too. We're on Twitter at the Barcelona Pod or at Hilton D13 for me on Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. Our closed Facebook group where these questions came from today is tbpod.link backslash group. We also have deeper dives and discussions, and you can help us out on Patreon, of course, to continue making these shows at tbpod.link slash Patreon. And the one thing I will add is that we are in the works. If you're one of those Patreons, again, I, I would urge you actually, you can DM me, send me a message. If you are one of our Patreons, we have a gift in the works, and we'd love to get a little bit of feedback from there. So I just want to add a little nugget in there at the end for those who continue to listen all the way at the end. There might be a reward for you, and especially those, again, of our Patreons who help us out. We could do these shows without you. Thank you so much, and thanks to you, all the listeners for listening to the Barcelona podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon, and for the Barcelona.